Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast or Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday afternoon here. We have a special guest on the podcast. Sean Roback is in the house. He is a chiropractor, graduated from New York Chiropractic College in 1999. He is an OG like myself. Opened up his first practice in San Diego the following year. In 2004, Fixed Body Group, which he is the man at, opened up in Hillcrest, San Diego, California. About 2008, began treating elite athletes, uh, Olympic Training Center, PGA Tour, NFL, NHL people, all the important people who make the sports world go round. Fixed Body Group currently has three offices in San Diego, Palm Desert, and the newest location here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, which is how we cross paths and their demo has shifted from you know working with just elite athletes who want to compete to you know the average kind of couch to athlete recreational athlete the person who just wants to you know look better move better and feel better which is how i phrase it so sean welcome to the podcast thank you so uh just so these guys get a little background on you um you can share as much of the story as you want but why the chiropractic field like what what drew you to it um you know i think with the car with healthcare for me I wanted to be physical with my body and help people get better. And so naturally with chiropractic, it's a physical modality to f- correct the structure of the human body. And I think, you know, my, my purpose as a chiropractor is to keep people active. And for me, it was a personal journey to keep myself active from prior injuries. And I think more than how I became a chiro- chiropractor, it's like why I actually do this every single day. Yeah. And, uh, for me, um, the quick story about my injury, my injuries, but the big one was a uh, snowboarding issue or injury uh, back in 2000, I'm sorry, 1996. I was with my sister and going up the chairlift, um, kind of saw a jump down below me. So I wanted to get after it on the first run and I wasn't warmed up and got off the chairlift and went down the hill, found it. and. Turns out the jump was ice, I lost control, I was about 10 feet up in the air, came straight down on my ass and uh, compressed my entire spine. No shit. Literally, I was couldn't move anything, paralysis for about three minutes. And so I was lying there, digesting the fact that- Questioning <laughs> your life choice, right? Digesting the fact that I will not be able to move again and ultimately do the things that I love again. And it was, uh, it was, uh, an awakening experience and I was in chiropractic school at that time obviously I regained motor function I was able to uh, um, heal from that injury uh, without paralysis thank God and so we um, that is the mission and the journey of fixed body group is to help people that are injured or have a limiting condition stay active and function optimally so like when you do that like you're in school like you fall like you know you fucked up mm-hmm. like you know you're in not a good spot, right? <laughs> I imagine so. Do they have to like, how do they get you off the mountain then? They come pick you up? You know, what's funny is my little nephew, Adam, was like, he's about four, just bombing down the mountain. So my sister saw this take place, but she had to go, she had to go and get her son. For sure. And people are kind of going past me, but I'm just not moving and nobody really stopped. And what happened after about, I was there for about 10 minutes, I was off in a little spot. So it wasn't totally, uh, uh, a lot of volume passing me, but anyways, I was able to get um, myself up and down the mountain. Uh, took me about a good hour, but that's crazy, dude. <laughs> I was able to get down. That's gnarly, man. Yeah. So fortunately, I was in chiropractic school, and uh, it was about a six-month process of recovery, 
with some compression fractures and obviously disc issues as a result. And so I'm just thankful every day that I'm walking and not in a wheelchair. And uh, so for me, it's when, when there are challenging days, it's uh, reflecting on that and knowing that it could be a different story. So the real question is, do you still snowboard? I do not. <laughs> Good choice. I like that. So for the, the average person listening out there, like what, what is chiropractic care? Like in your, your wording, how you would explain it to somebody who really, they think you come in, you land a table, they crack you and you go on your way. That's mm-hmm. really not what it is. Not in our world. Um, fixed body group uh, blends care with um, physical therapy, personal training, massage. We use active release technique for our soft tissue uh, therapy. And then chiropractic itself. So I would say chiropractic is about 15% of the treatment plan. And uh, a lot of people are confused about what chiropractic is. And uh, ultimately, my what, what chiropractic is to me is that a provider can find a joint in the body that's stuck or restricted. Um, we're specialists in finding those restrictions in the spine or in the extremities. An adjustment is ultimately when I take my hand and I provide force directly into that restricted segment to get it to move. And if it moves, you hear a popping noise. That's it. And if it doesn't, you didn't do it right. <laughs> or it's really stuck and we have to do more, uh, we have to do more work to get it moving. But really the whole idea behind chiropractic is just relieving, releasing restrictions in joints. And once we do that, then we parlay that into physical therapy or personal training to strengthen that correction. So we maintain it. So somebody doesn't have to continue to come back over and over and over again. So quality chiropractic, in my opinion, is a blend of all sorts of therapies to maximize the correction. So it's a long lasting correction and not something that um, you have to do for 50 years and keep coming back. Like the goal is to, because I guess if something, if you release something, but yet the tissue around it is still really shitty and damaged, it Mm -hmm. basically just will keep, and and if you're not fixing the root cause of the problem, it just keeps going back to the same positioning, I'd imagine. Exactly. And that's the, that's the number one thing I get. The questions I get is, do I have to come in forever? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right? And um, well, that's actually the biggest question I get. I don't want to become addicted to chiropractic. And yeah. you, don't, you, can't be addic- you can't get addicted to chiropractic or you can't be reliant. You're not reliant on it. But the challenge is, is that when you feel when your body is moving well because all the restrictions and limitations in the body have been released structurally through adjustments, and then you get stuck again because you're not doing your corrective exercises or your mobility work, you, you crave the need to feel that again. And that's the, I guess you would say, the addictive For quality sure. of it. Well, to me, I look at it as like anything. Like you can do so much mobility tissue work on yourself. If you know enough, like you can be dangerous. But there's just certain things that you can't do. So I'm looking at it as like it's almost like maintenance. Like you might do your normal stuff and you might pop in every once in a while to get an adjustment to do something if something's bothering you. To me, anyway. That's how I think of it. Right. If you're doing your mobility work, there's you know a couple things with mobility and strength. There's a lot of mobility stuff going on right now, and it's been it's amazing because it's it's uh, it's newer and it's very specific and it's extremely functional. Now there's a there's a process of that. There's too much mobility creates instability, and that instability re- results in arthritic change and degeneration. So when you blend really solid mobility work with strengthening, you have a really functional joint. But too much mobility creates instability, which why you, is why you have to have that physical therapist or strength coach to help build that strength around that mobile joint. It all comes together. Mm-hmm. So if I'm out there and I'm like average, you know, Rick or Cindy, and I'm trying to choose, you know, 
just like how you pick a trainer, just how you pick a mechanic. How do you what what do you look for for a chiropractic place? Like I'm assuming to me, my answer would be like somebody who does all the stuff, like who mixes all the modalities. But like your advice to somebody, like if they're in, if they're here in Scottsdale, obviously come see Sean. If you're like in Nebraska, how do you pick somebody? That's a good question. Uh, The number one, the number, yeah, the first thing that when I would call a location based on a referral that you got, and I would tell ask the people, the people at the front desk, if you could talk to the chiropractor. and get a 10 minute consult on the phone about your injury to see if they answer your questions appropriately and if it makes sense. If they're giving you, if they won't do that, that's a red flag. For sure. <laughs> Number two, if they get on the phone and they're trying to sell and not simply try to help, then that's a red flag as well. And I would ask them, what are your services outside of chiropractic and what do you do as a chiropractor besides chiropractic? Because that'll give you an idea if they're gonna inc- include a lot of different modalities or different services so that you can reach that maximum correction. Uh, and, I, and ultimately what I do is if people really have a concern and they don't know if we can help them, I sit down with them for an hour at no charge to help them understand if this is the right place for them. And typically at the end of that, um, they feel pretty comfortable and we have, a good, we have a good successful treatment plan. 100%. Like a teacher, basically. You're teaching them. And like when they leave there, they understand. Maybe they don't know. Obviously, they can talk about it surface level, but not like you can. But they understand what's wrong with them, at least mm-hmm. in some context. And they understand what to do once they leave there. The problem is that there's a stigma around chiropractic. It's it's out there. It's like, it's like oh, witch doctor, uh, used car salesman, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. There are some good ones out there. And so I get it, but there are some shitty ones out there as well. And you got to be cautious and protective. If you're going into a chiropractor and they're trying to sell you 60 visits out of the gates at three times a week for four months, but, and they keep doing the same thing on you over and over and over again, that's a problem. So these are the things that you need to stay away from. Those are red flags. But if you have all encompassing care with multiple providers, that's really a good solution for success. That makes sense. What, um, so the average is like, what kind of pain? do you guys treat most often or see most often? Um, lower back, hip, uh, knee and shoulder, neck as well. Um, there's a lot of postural issues. Everybody has a postural issue, so that's an all-encompassing issue that we deal with. But we deal with a lot of sports injuries. So you have your, um, you know, you have your hip, lower back, and knee issues. I specialize in shoulder injuries uh, as a result of uh, destroying my shoulder playing rugby. I used to dislocate my shoulder once a week for about four and a half years. Really? So, How do you get it? You just pop, and you pop it back in by yourself? I would put it back in myself. Yeah, that's rough, bro. Yeah, there's a full Mel Gibson, but there was yeah. uh, you know a couple of times I needed some help, but it was you know pure ignorance. Had no idea what I was doing to my body when I was in college playing rugby, and I was uh, and currently I have a degenerative shoulder uh, as a result, and so it's arthritic and damaged. So. What's good about that is that I can share my reality with people and I understand what they're going through. And so I some know empathy. There's some yeah. empathy there. And I can I understand the condition so well because I, I have it that I can help a lot of people as a result. I dig that. Does uh for someone does an adjustment hurt when they come in, typically? No. It's a it's uh adjustments are meant to create relief and a release. And so we're taking a compressed restricted joint that hurts and removes that restriction and we decompress that creates a release and it's actually a uh, it's uh, supposed to be a feel-good thing now the first adjustment for somebody it's a bit shocking so the chiropractor that they're working with really has to educate them well about what's gonna happen they should a new patient should not be shocked or surprised by an adjustment 
And that's another horror story I hear a lot is that I don't want to see a chiropractor the first one I went to just twisted my neck really fast. And so an education process is really important for people that have never been to a chiropractor before. For sure. I will say, yeah, because the neck stuff does, it does wake you up. If you're not used to it, it's like, holy shit, what's going on here? Yeah. I don't mind. It. I don't mind it, but I've been through it for 10 years. So, like, I mm-hmm. kind of know how the session is going to go or, like, at least what you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, but for some people, yeah, it's, a, it's an awakening for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and then the techniques you guys typically use. I'm sure it's, like it's a mix soft tissue stuff, ART, things like that. Yeah, it's case specific. We don't have a formula. It's based on that we do a one hour evaluation in the beginning so we know exactly what we the, the patient, the flow the patient should go through. But the technique that we use for soft tissue, uh, one technique is called myomatrix release and then there's one called active release technique. We also do dry needle here in Scotts in Arizona because uh, Arizona law allows us to do that. California, you can't? California uh, cannot. No shit. not really allowed to do much. It- in that state <laughs> and what's um and it's super cheap to be there too yeah by the way. Um, so dry what is dry needling for the, the person listening out there i'm glad you asked that because for me what dry needling is is that i take an acupuncture needle and um, i get into tissues that aren't healing well or are stagnant in healing where it's stubborn and just kind of chronic and i'll take that needle and i'll get into that tissue to stimulate a healing response by triggering the brain to think that something is happening in that area again. So it sends these helper cells to that region to re-stimulate that healing process. So your thumb and your hand can get to a lot of the superficial tissue, but the needle can get to that deeper tissue to re-stimulate that healing process. So ultimately you're creating that micro trauma, telling the brain that there's a damaged area that needs help. And like, what is that? Because like the blood flow is shitty to the area and doesn't get there, or is it just a mix of things? Like why tissue sometimes just is stagnant? Some things heal, some things don't. It could be based on poor rehab. It could be uh, repetitive motion injury, doing the same thing over and over again, where the body just starts laying down tissue to deal with the stupid things that you're doing on a daily basis. But when a joint, the challenge when you injure an area, let's say the rotator cuff has a pretty poor blood supply. If you can get a needle into that area and stimulate a reaction to trigger to the brain to send those cells to help that area heal itself, and bring blood flow to that region, it's gonna help the healing process and it's gonna be a lot more efficient. And you can avoid like more invasive stuff, I'm assuming, by right. doing that. Yeah. Makes sense. And so again, when the joint, when uh, the adjustments pop, that's just the joints moving, is that right? Typically? Exactly. So if I find a joint, let's say your L4 is stuck in your lower back. Yeah. Uh, when I put force into that region and we do the adjustment and you hear that popping noise, it tells us that the joint actually moved. But what the noise is, is it's actually gas being released out of the joint. So it's a negative vacuum, so basically you hear that pop. Like your fingers, yep. basically. Because like when I squat, I always try to, and it happens sometimes naturally anyway, but I'll hang like from a pull-up bar, and I'll just rotate through the hips, and I almost feel like, what is it down there? Like, what is that, like L5-S1 maybe? Mm-hmm. You can kind of hear it go, it'll click like twice. And for whatever reason, like I feel like now I can squat. Like, if that doesn't happen, I feel like, I don't want to squat today. Even though I'll do it, right. I feel like it's looser, though. Mm-hmm. And usually, it's typically, if I've been sitting on my ass for an extended period of time. But once mm-hmm. I can open it up, it does feel a lot better. Right. Interesting. <laughs> now, for the people out there, if you're pregnant, can you see a chiropractor? Yes. You see um, all stages. Are you, I guess I'm yeah. sure it's case by case. Yeah. I mean, you, I, would, I would talk to the, the chiropractor that you're going to see to see if you specialize. Uh, in pregnancy, you know, for me, it's not, it's, I treat more athletes, so I don't have to um, worry about that, but there are tables specific for, to dealing with somebody in their third trimester. 
And so you really want to make sure the office is set up to help uh, a patient in that condition. Makes sense. Yeah. And then like back back pain, how common is that for people you see? Like what percentage of people comes in? Half of them have back pain? Um, honestly, I would say everyone, I've every patient has had back pain at one point in their life. Some degree. Yeah. To some degree of back pain at some point in their life. And I'll tell you that, and honestly, Jeremy, if there's one thing that I can teach anybody about back pain uh, is they have to learn how to use their ass. Their glutes. Dude, I say every day here I say it (laughs) all the time. Their glutes are weak and tight. And so if you have a weak glute, you're going to be using your back muscles too much. You have the strongest muscles in your body are your glutes, and they're underused and they're deconditioned. So naturally what's going to happen is your lower back has to do all that work. And eventually that curvature in your lower back is going to go away to a straight spine, which means you lost the shock absorbing capacity, which means you're going to start to break down your back faster. That's the degeneration cascade that people don't realize because we sit on our ass all day and we don't contract these muscles. So other things, other muscles have to do the work. That's the biggest reason why we have back pain. Because your butt. Because your butt. Yes, man. I do. I mean, I say it a lot of times when the weird thing is here, and again, it's, I'm sure it's a mix. There's people that come in here who they'll say this too and we again i'm not a doctor all i just do is i've done this for 15 years so we've seen enough trends that come in and say oh my low back it hurts it kills me it's it's junk like i can't train i can't work out we literally have them come in elevated pigeon stretch mm-hmm. for three to five minutes per side foam roll the glutes usually the piriformis either one or two is the issue and all of a sudden it's like i'm not saying the back pain goes away but 90% of it's alleviated. And they're like, holy shit, this is life-changing. I'm like, you haven't stretched your glutes in 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like something so basic and simple. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys prescribe the same. So like basically it's like you tell them to integrate some form of strength training, I assume, into their program. Everybody. That one patient is in, on a strength training program. How crazy is that, right? If you guys are listening out there, it's basic stuff sometimes. <laughs> Mobility, <laughs> tissue work, split squat, lunge, your life will be great. Uh, for these guys out there listening, like, can you learn to do some adjustment stuff yourself or and should you ever to or just you know what when something's jack you just go in yeah another common question is is it bad for me to crack my neck by myself yeah and then i'm like well how many times do you do it and they're like i don't know four times an hour i'm like that is bad <laughs> so yeah what is, is what's the downfall like rick's doing it six times you know every two hours so well, he does it 20 times a day this is what's happening if rick's doing it that much he's moving the same joint over and over and over again it's the same segment it's the same one joint popping every single time which means you're eventually going to create instability like we spoke about earlier in this podcast yeah instability creates arthritic change so what you want to do instead of keep popping that same segment is to do a corrective exercise to strengthen and stabilize that segment and you'll decrease the need to actually pop his neck so it's more about don't keep abusing that one segment if you have to adjust or pop your neck once or twice a day that's totally fine if you're doing it four times an hour it's going to be a problem it's a lot basically you just create like arthritis in your own body over the long term yeah for sure that's crazy (laughs) and you'll be at fault for it i always wonder because people ask like yo i can do so you know there's certain things you can do to make your body loose and i just didn't know like with that stuff then again that's i don't typically tend to mess with the neck and the back stuff too much but interesting so when someone comes into you guys, the goal of maybe not just like, and maybe it could be the first session or the goal of the session for them. I'm sure like obviously every person has a treatment plan, but finding a, the root cause and then treating it and then obviously educating them on like what to do once they leave. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more, honestly, this is going to sound 
strange, and, but it's like, I'm not concerned about the injury. I'm concerned about what they can't do in life. And so when they tell me they have an injury, I'm focusing on their injury, but I'm also f- focusing on other limiting factors. But if they don't, I have patients coming in because they can't golf or they can't exercise or whatever it may be. They're not coming in because they're in pain. So I address the pain generator, but I'm looking at how I can get them back into golf or tennis or working out. And so I look at the full package and I obviously have to address the pain generator, but it really comes down to how do we get them back into the activities that they enjoy. And again, it goes back to me and my injury or injuries where if I can't be active, I'm absolutely miserable. So For sure, I dude. will do whatever it takes to stay active my, the rest of my life. And I'll do whatever it takes to make sure my pa- patients stay active the rest of their lives. That's why they come see us. They don't come see us because they're in pain, I assure you. They come in because they're emotionally pissed off that they can't do something they love. And we get them back to doing that. Well, and I think a lot of people too, and I, I'm the type too, where like if something bothers me, I'll let it go for only so long if I can't fix it myself. Like I know enough to just be dangerous and that's a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. So I know just enough, but if I can't get rid of it. And a lot of times to me, it's like whether it is soft tissue stuff typically or like some nervous pissed off. And obviously if I can get rid of it, that adhesion or break it up and I can take it through range of motion or it's because I was just being lazy with mobility. And then once I mm-hmm. work through the space, I'm typically fine. But a lot of people, and again, I'll kill myself trying to do it. And then if I can't, I'll come see you. I'll get it taken care of. Mm -hmm. The average person is not like that when I see them. They're stubborn. Mm -hmm. Something will hurt. They'll do absolutely nothing. Well, I'm just going to let it rest, which in my experience, most things, unless it is overuse, but even that, even if I, I had tennis elbow, you can't just do nothing and expect it to. I mean, I guess you could. I don't know if it would ever go away. But to me, like working through it, I guess the question is when people wait how long should somebody wait when something bothers them? Like, oh, give it a week and let it rest or give it two months. Like a lot of times people will be like, well, I haven't done anything for three months because my shoulder bugged me. Mm-hmm. And to me, I wouldn't want to live three fucking days without doing something. Mm-hmm. So like, what would your advice be to somebody who like, hey, this is bugging me. How soon should they come in? Uh, this, well, this is when they do come in. They come in when they can't do the shit that they love. And, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's been in. taking forever, probably. And it's, it takes a while. And so the, when we get somebody in that's either six months to a year and a half of suffering with condition and have put on 20, 25 pounds as a result, and uh, that's, that's when we typically get most people, to be honest with you. They're not coming in two days after they strain their bicep tendon. They're, letting, they're trying to let it heal, but what happens is that scarring and adhesions and fibrosis um, develops around that area. So it becomes harder and harder as time goes on to make a quick correction. The challenge is, and I think most people are realists, but sometimes we have uh, um, unrealistic expectations when somebody waits a year and a half and and thinks a few visits are gonna fix the problem because we have to go through a full-on restructuring and strengthening program to make sure that they get back to where they were before the injury, which was you know a year and a half prior. So yeah, doing nothing is typically probably not the answer. And waiting a year is probably not the right answer either. Yeah, like I said, it always comes down to when it finally gets to the point where they can't do those things that they really want to do or get back into doing those things that they really want to do, that's when they come in. So we rarely get somebody that's super acute. We, we get the chronic long-standing stuff that's affecting quality of life. That's crazy, man. Some people, so I'm sure the better is the answer. Yeah, I imagine. So I'm sure some people it's years. Like uh-huh. they'll say, hey, I've had this for three years, yeah. which is insane to me. <laughs> I've seen it here, though, with the back stuff, knee yeah. stuff a lot of times. And most 99% of the time here, it's not structural. It's not contact injuries. It's just mm-hmm. shitty tissue or something went wrong and they never really did anything about it, mm-hmm. which you could have fixed it in probably 40 days. Mm-hmm. But now that they've waited three years, 
they're looking at a longer recovery, I'm assuming. Sure. And you know, what's great is that people are doing workouts like yours and visiting gyms like yours and you know, fitness facilities where they're getting good education. But the reality is that they're sitting on their ass 90% of their day and they come here after sitting in their car to drive here from work <laughs> to it's work the out. So they're at least doing this, but the body is not conditioned to be in that position. Um, we're forcing ourselves to be in that rounded posture. And thankfully, when what you're doing in here is taking them out of that posture, but there's degenerative change that needs to be addressed through structural correction. And sometimes it's through conditioning and sometimes it's through hands-on methods like chiropractic and physical therapy. How, like, if you had, I mean, there's no way to gauge it, but like sitting is a huge part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Just like from their normal work. Like if you had a, like a recommendation to somebody who works in an office, they clock in at six, they're there till, you know, four o'clock and they sit on their ass Mm -hmm. basically for nine straight hours any hacks tips you give them like hey do this do this try this during the day yes you got to get up at least once an hour uh a really an ideal flow of this is that sometimes people have standing desks or um oh yeah i've seen them yep so that's good but you don't want to stand all day so. no no that's i've, I've, I've been exposed to it. it's brutal too honestly yeah. so you have to be there's got to be a variation you might want to like sit for two hours go to your stand-up desk for two hours use a physio ball during the second phase of your day so you can break it up from standing sitting sitting on a physio ball and kind of rotate those three there's an exercise you can do um also it's uh if you look up brugers b-r-u-g-e-r-s uh that's a good exercise that you can do while you're seated that will help you um assist at fixing your, your posture from being rounded all day. I like that, man. I read thing too, like, for you, I'm sure you guys recommend what, they go through some form of, like, when you prescribe mobility or tissue work every day? If uh, they could. Depending on the patient. It's case-specific, but, yeah. yeah, my corrective exercise prescriptions are is daily. And I would say everyone has three core exercises that they have to do for the rest of their life. And it's literally a five to 10 minute process every day. The good thing about like shoulder issues and, and, or postural issues is that a lot of these exercises are all encompassing. So a lower back or a shoulder exercise is gonna be a postural corrective exercise, which is just good to do in general. So you have these three or four that you do for five to 10 minutes a day, every day for the rest of your life, and you're gonna be in a much better position 20 years down the road. So like just a minimum 10 minutes a day. You can do, if you do 10 minutes a day, if you do one minute of exercise every hour you sit, that's eight minutes of exercise per day, and you times that by 365 times however many years you want to live, it's a whole different body you're dealing with when you're in your 70s. So it's literally one minute every hour of exercise. The compound effect is real there. The yes, the compound effect is real. We always tell people, I'm like, if you can't move, again, I don't know, I'm not going to judge people. I'm like, you do what you have to do to make money, do it. But if you can't move around, like, dynamically for 30 minutes a day, like, your life sucks shit so bad. Like, mm -hmm. if you're so busy with work and trafficking kids, like, I would say change the scope of your lifestyle in order to just move. And again, I'm not talking like you have to come in here and do thrusters and, like, ride the assault bike. I'm like, but just go for a walk. Like, do some inchworms, a couple Spider-Man steps, like the most basic things. Like, mm -hmm. that changes the scope of how your life literally is. Not just 20 years from now, but, like, literally today. And yeah. a lot of people don't do that. I'll tell you what. One gem. Uh, you want to uh, fix your... You want to get a strong ass to fix your lower back? Put an elastic band around your ankles and do lateral walks and then do monster walks 
back and forth. Well, they're the worst, bro. <laughs> Your ass <laughs> would be on fire in like, like 30 seconds and you take that long. So you're going to do that. That's going to fix the strength in your ass, the, the lack of strength you have in your ass. That's going to support your lower back. You know, Jesse, our friend, he actually got me reinvigorated re, uh, <laughs> about doing those exercises and I, I kind of got lazy with it. And my back is feeling great over the last two months because I started doing those again. Oh man, G meets fire. You're walking like that's rough. Those are rough to do. Like even mm-hmm. like it's the lightest resistance band. If you do a heavy one, like mm-hmm. things get real. And again, anybody can do that. It do, you don't even have to have great. You can have the worst mobility in the world, and you can do that, mm-hmm. which is simple. And I did one time hear Kelly Surratt, who's like mobility wild, like free state. Mm-hmm. He's like, you could spend two hours a day in mobility. And he's like, it probably wouldn't be enough. And like that's and I, heard, I remember when he said, like, that's crazy to say, but I'm like, it, it makes sense because sometimes I can go through a whole 20 minute mobility flow, and I'm like, it's just my lower extremities. I didn't even touch his shoulders, upper back, T-spine, that stuff. And I'm like, so. But the point is, if you guys can do at least 10 minutes a day would be the bare minimum. The bare minimum. I would say. Um, so when these guys come in, sometimes they might have an issue that you you have an idea of what it is, but you're not sure. And then you prescribe maybe, hey, get an x-ray, get an MRI so I can get a deeper look. Uh, not typically. I really feel like our detailed, our, our evaluation, our examination and the response they get from treatment really tells us enough of if we can help them or not yeah. and if it's safe to treat them. If we treat them for 12 visits and we're not making the impact that we want to make, we may send out either for imaging or we may refer out to a different provider. Uh, so it's really, it, I would say it's 10% of the cases we actually refer out for x-ray or MRI. Nice. Because most of the time it's, the average person probably just says it's very basic common stuff. I'm sure you see trends too, I'd imagine. The trends, yeah. If you take a good history, and you really listen to a human being and what they've been through and what and you dive, dive deep, you can really learn a lot and diagnose the problem from their history. And that's what we, we spend a lot of time on that first visit getting to know that person. And like the biggest demo you guys treat, is it men, women, young, old, somewhere in between? Uh, we treat honestly equal 50-50 men and women, 30 to 60 that people that want to stay active. Our elite athlete population is probably 5% of our patient base. It used to be, you know, close to 30%, um, but we are focusing on keeping our community active and having a lot of fun doing that. That's what we do, man. The, the average Joe mm-hmm. wants to be LeBron, but it's not LeBron. I get it. So in terms of the biggest common issue stuff, when it's, uh, if it's, I guess, walk through like uh, the low back stuff you've seen, the, the most basic low back stuff that comes in, whether it is uh, disc issues or something. And, and what is it usually? Is it usually a contact injury, like they were in a car accident, they fell, or it's just life? It's life. Uh, it can be a contact injury that cascades into bigger problems as a result of not addressing it properly. However, it's life. It's lower back degenerative changes due to the result of us sitting too much, um, having poor posture. And, and again, I hate going back to this, but simply not using the right muscles in our body to support our lower back. When an, an older gentleman maybe gets in their 50s or 60s, you see them shuffling their feet. They're not really taking big strides and using their glutes to f- propel themselves forward. That's why there's this quote-unquote hip flexor issue because you're using your, you're basically throwing your leg forward instead of using your glutes to propel yourself forward. So you're using the muscles in the front, your hip flexors, to bring your leg forward, but you're not using your ass to drive yourself forward. No kidding. is why we really need to learn how to walk, walk up steps where you're actually firing your glutes and your hamstrings so you propel yourself in the forward direction. When you do that, the stress comes off your lower back. The curvature returns in your lower back 
and your posture comes back to upright. So that is, it's an easy solution. I could, if I could just hammer this home with the world, we could really solve a lot of lower back pain clients. It's crazy uh, to me that like- fixing how they walk. They're shuffling the feet. I mean, literally, we call the back muscles like your goal muscles, your glutes, hamstrings, back. Those are the power muscles. That's what mm-hmm. helps you move through life. Right. Essentially, you're saying they're not using those and just hip flexing their way forward. They're hip flexing their way forward. They're, so basically, everything in our body, because of our posturing throughout the day, is strong in the front of our body. And it's long and weak in the back of our body. So we don't use that to propel ourselves forward. We throw ourselves forward with our front muscles, which is counterintuitive to how the body wants to work. And so if we can just teach ourselves once again, because we used to do it, uh, how to use our glutes and our hamstrings, our big toe, our ankle to propel ourselves forward, our back does a fraction of the work. It's not supposed to do any work to move us forward. (laughs) That's great. So for most of these, like for stuff like that, the basic stuff, if they would just not sit on their ass for nine hours straight, and do some form of glute work that would, I would decrease I would, a lot of the shit you see. I would imagine. Well, it would hurt my business for sure, one, and it would be something that we can. Help. Well, people won't do it, so you'll be fine either way. But <laughs> that's an epidemic, and so it's something where there is the problem is is that it wouldn't hurt business because there's so much degenerative change that has happened as a result of the back not being used. So when the back gets locked down and it doesn't actually move because it's compressed and stuck for lack of a better word it starts to break down on itself because what you don't use you lose as we know and so if that's actually happening and you're not using chiropractic to release those restrictions and reestablish that curvature and doing your corrective exercises my job ultimately is to try to reverse those arthritic changes which is really really hard and so sometimes it's not about getting that full correction it's just about being realistic to where we can get them back to improving the current state they're at correct so I mean, it, it's just the same, it's the same shit we always talk about here. Do strength training, do mobility, do tissue work. Don't treat your body like shit. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you said also that's important. I mean, before we started this podcast, we talked about compounding interest in our student loans and how you cannot get away from, get out from underneath it. When you have compounding exercises on a daily that's gonna help you function better, that also builds on top of things where you get that muscle memory, where it's also easier to regain those muscles once you've developed them if you decide to be lazy for a couple weeks. So postural muscles really want to be strong. So you can get them strong in a short period of time if you know the right exercises to do. So it's not one of those muscles that, it's not like trying to get your calf bigger. No, it's all stuff you're, again, like it's all, and again, we see it here too with the people who used to be athletes and then who are out of it who come back, they tend to do better than the people who never did anything. Mm-hmm. And the shorter the gap they took in between, the better off they're going to be. Is mm-hmm. the people who are basically, for lack of a better word, like inactive for four years. It's like, it's like if they would just would have done it like a month in, they're like in a two foot hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't do anything for four years, they're in like a 12 foot fucking hole. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to, to get out of that. And for some people, like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but if the time lapse is so long in your life and you're 57 and you haven't done anything for 10 years, like, I'm sure it's hard to move the needle at that point. Absolutely. You know, and weight is an issue as well. So if you're male or female with lower back pain, if you can, I'm not, this is all dependent upon how overweight, but just take off 10 pounds and you'll be amazed at how much less uh, the lower back has to do to get through the day. So like somebody who has, oh, let's say, 100 pounds to lose, mm-hmm. like 
that's a, a ridiculous amount of or even 50 pounds like you're, you're you're 50 pounds overweight from where you want to be you're a dude you're 250 you'd be better off being 200 which at 200 you're still a big ass dude mm-hmm. like how much stress and pressure is that putting on the body like i'm sure like a ridiculous amount like compared to what they're they should be used to yeah i mean it's well you're modifying the body's natural center of gravity so you automatically you develop and then your body stops developing and then you have that center of gravity and then you chuck on a beer belly now you're being pulled forward and the only thing holding you upright is your lower back and so that's not going to last forever and that's why people unfortunately that are overweight have lower back issues and when you're low overweight it's a lot harder to treat somebody effectively through manual therapy and, and chiropractic so it's like that's why in our office office it's an all-encompassing corrective process if you're 20 pounds overweight and you expect to get your lower back fixed you're going to lose 20 pounds or we're going to be unsuccessful so we deal with that part of it as well because it's because you could fix i guess what their the symptom is but the root cause is okay i'm 30 pounds overweight i have this gut hanging so i'm sure like their pelvic tilt or their hips or something is out of alignment at all times even if you can adjust it it still goes back to the same shitty posture afterwards Something yeah, like that? Absolutely. If it's it's a it's a short term fix. And short term fix is not what we do. And so that is it, we can get them feeling better for a couple of days, but once they have the belly pulling themselves forward, accentuating the lumbar curve, you're just pinching structures in the back of the spine that it's gonna be a really hard fix. Makes sense. Uh, second thing, uh, like the decreased uh, mobility in the hips for people. Where yeah. does that does that come from? Sitting too? Uh, it can be genetic. Uh, uh, so if that for one, it can be genetic. And that, that's how, I'm glad you brought that point up too because we discussed how mobility can create instability unless you strengthen. So you have to create the mobility or do mobility and strengthening. The one thing that I'd like people to really understand is that the, when they're doing 90-90 exercises um, or if they're just trying to do hip opening exercises, when you're doing those exercises and you feel a rubber band elastic stretch, that's good. You can push through that. If you feel a bone on bone or you feel something knocking or if it's a sharp pain, you're not supposed to go in that range. Like in the hips. In the hips. So don't force yourself for more range of motion past something that feels like a bony block because you're ultimately jamming cartilage into a rim of what's called the acetabulum and you're going to create a degenerative process. So if you feel a rubber bandy elastic feel, keep fighting through it with strengthening afterwards but if you feel a bony block you shouldn't be going into that range you're talking like when they're lunging or something split squatting something like that lunging split squatting that 90 90 movement that they can look up if they're not familiar with it oh like Um, like shin boxing and the rotational hip openers things like that hip openers right so i did see a lot of people wanting to get more mobility but pushing past ranges that would be abnormal for their body uh, yeah, well, especially, and again, my two cents, like we do a mobility program. We run it like once a year. It's like a 30-day, we call it mandatory mobility. You just have to do it. And mm-hmm. there are like six different flows we put together, all baseline stuff. And again, you can get gangster with it if you want to. Mm-hmm. But I always tell them, like, start slow. If you've done nothing, mm-hmm. you can't go from doing nothing to do an hour of mobility, like hardcore. Yeah. Like you won't be able to walk for three days. Yeah. <laughs> for most people, and here's the crazy thing, like we do a lot of stuff. We do everything here, all functional movements. We build the mobilities to the programs because people – don't want to do them enough on their own so we'll build them into the programs and i swear on the days we do and not everybody our, our gangster people are gangster and typically it's dudes i don't want to call them up but we're dudes we're stupid and we don't listen 
what happens is we have them go through like a whole session. I'm talking like assault bike, push a sled, row, push, thrusters, all the normal stuff. And then we have them do like 30 toe touches mm-hmm. with like relative, not knees locked, but relatively straight hamstrings to get a stretch. They'll come in here the next three days and be like, my legs are so shit and so jacked. Worse than if we have them split squat, worse than we have them push a sled because they just, they lack the hamstring flexibility and mobility and they haven't been through the range of motion. That's what kills them, which is insane to me to think that that happens, but... I guess it's pretty common for most people. You know, I'd, I've been doing your five-minute flow, and that's like that is enough. I do it for three to five minutes, and it opens up my thoracic spine, lumbar spine, both hips, hamstrings, glutes, and I'm that's how I start my workout now. And you can spend the time where you need to. Like if the shoulders are tight, you can go through T-spine open. You can do a million things. Mm-hmm. I just tell people like I can't not do it anymore. Like I, you're gonna get me wrong. Like I played college sports too. I was a dipshit. Like you'd stretch a little bit. Eh. You're just you're just dumb when you're young. Mm-hmm. And and again, you can get away with it. Like we would, you know, tie your shoes, take three shots, and like that was our warm up. You're just you're an idiot. <laughs> and now like I'm older, I can't do that. It's to dunk a basketball is like a 15 minute warm up process. You know, just to get moving. I go, but now if I don't do it, I feel like sh- like a bag of shit. Mm-hmm. Like I just I have to feel open i think you guys will almost like crave it too just like you're saying like mm-hmm. i could see how someone could get addicted to being you know i don't want to say cracked for a better term but like getting treated and going in because you do feel a release and you feel looser than if you don't do anything on your own right so this it's all, one it's really it's all about developing habits and if you develop a habit and you do that let's say your flow for 30 days you're not going to not do that in the 31st day i promise you and you're going to feel great as a result of it no it's a behavioral school it's like how you you started brushing your teeth at one point, and the first probably two months you skipped it, and all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, I'm a disgusting human. I should brush my teeth every day. <laughs> Mobility is the same way, and you guys, hopefully you feel it. Uh, posture stuff uh, for women that you see, or, or men yeah. too. I just, I just I say women because we chatted about it, and like my wife has went through this stuff, and I see a lot of the things too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Po- it, uh, there, I would say women, it's more important to talk about posture with women. Uh, for some reason, it's it's harder for them to fix their posture. Um, there's something called the Dowager Hump that a lot of women are fearful of getting, uh, and there's ways to pre- prevent that or reverse it um, or slow down the process. Uh, breast implants are another one. That's another center of gravity killer. So implants will bring people forward, which will bring the shoulders and head forward, and then they'll really? create a rounding in the upper back. So that's another huge challenge for some women that don't realize it exists before they get implants. Uh, until six months afterwards and their lower back and upper back are killing them and getting headaches as a result because their head is so far forward. So that's a big problem. Um, but the breast, and that's like breast implant specific. I'm sure it's both, but like that just exacerbates the problem even more. For sure. Yeah, because you're taking what you have developed, the structure of your body that's now locked in for what is the remainder of your life and then you put implants on your body which takes your center of gravity forward. So now everything starts to round towards that direction. So it's a big, it's something that women are not aware of typically when they actually get the procedure. That's crazy. So we always would say too here when we, when we coach a deadlift or cue it, and one of the best cues I've ever like went through and learned was like when you lose the upper back, you lose the lower back typically. So like when someone is like deadlifting and they have like the T-spine rounding, the low back tends to go too. Like if you squeeze your shoulder blade super tight and try to touch your toes, it's almost fucking impossible because mm-hmm. you can't. You can't round the lumbar. So I guess like if you have, well, I can imagine if I had like huge breast implants, like, and it, you mix that with them probably not strength training. I'm assuming not doing, you know, face pulls, upper back, rear delt work, which almost nobody does unless they're in a program, mm-hmm. and they just get this, what do you call it, like thoracic rounding, I guess, or like yeah. some kind of, just, 
That's crazy, it, dude. It creates that kyphosis, and a kyphosis is a rounding of the upper back, and an accentuated kyphosis is, is disaster to correct because it starts in the late 20s-ish. Well, it can start as early as high school, but um, it's really hard to fix mid-50s, so you really got to get after it. If you're in your you know 20s, 30s, 40s, fix that shit before it starts to get locked down where it's really hard. That's crazy. And then other women just have it who don't have implants just because, yeah. I guess, life in general. Well, again, dowager hump can be a genetic uh, predisposition. And so in doing that, not to say they ha- they're they stuck with it forever, there's ways that they can. And what a dowager hump is, it's that, up, that rounding in the upper back um, for people that aren't aware of it. And what you would what you really have to do is train your body every single day. And again, this is about a 10-minute process daily of getting your head back over your shoulders and creating extension in that upper back area. So there's there's adjustments for that and there's corrective exercises for that. But the corrective exercises have to be done every day to make a change to that structure, to that posture. And you're talking, what, five, 10 minutes a day? Yeah, Basically. They just have to develop that habit for the compounding effect. If somebody has implants the rest of their life, they have to commit to a spinal strengthening program so they stay upright and the implants aren't bringing them forward. I mean, it makes... That makes sense, man. Uh, so on that same note, then I'll come back to this other one. Uh, cell phone usage, computer stuff, that plays a role, I'm assuming, in a lot of the neck and upper back stuff you see? Yeah, it's uh, that's the same thing with posture. Cell phone is, um, because of this head position, there's a lot of headaches I'm dealing with uh, because of you're not supposed to be looking down and straining like that all day. For, I mean, some of these people, when you look at their, like, their time, it's like four hours a day, three uh-huh. hours a day they're doing it, or more even. Well, they're doing that on their phone, but they're also looking down at the computer um, when they're not on their phone. And so it's the, and so there's it's it's a cascading effect of um, degenerative and structural change that ultimately is creating this rounded posture society, which is a it's going to be in fifty to hundred years a, a society of hunchbacks. And there's ways to fix it. I mean, when you think about that, though, like all the stuff you do, like if it is like if you sleep in the fetal position, okay, you're rounded. If you drive your car, cool. Um, if you do most like normal aerobic sports, you ride a bike. Like mm-hmm. everything, your cell phone, your computer, like it's all the same rounding shit over and over and over. We tend to do when we program here, whether our people realize it or not. We can't do it every day, but most days, and the, the program as a whole, two pulls for every push. Yeah. Because I think we get enough yeah. anterior work as it is. And again, if you mm-hmm. know anything about obviously anatomy of the body, like those are the, if those muscles can hold you up, they can move you through life and space. But I don't think most people do that. And again, even that, like even if we do, you know, three pulling movements here mm-hmm. and we have you lay on a roller, open up, you know, the chest, anterior, shoulder, all the same shit, like you can't combat six hours of rounding. Mm-hmm. Like the minimum you could do is 10 <laughs> minutes to combat it. But I'm like, you're fighting a, a really tough battle. That's right. And what would be normal and appropriate, and it's not how our society works, and it's, it's just idealistic, but if you're sitting and rounded for four hours, you should be in back extension positions for four hours. That's how things should work, but that's not how it works. That's crazy, dude. So we need to do things aggressively to make sure we make up for all that time we can't be in a back extension position. That's nuts, man. Uh, we'll touch on one more. Uh, just the shoulder issues you see typically. Uh, yes. Most common stuff. Impingement, overhead work, so um, CrossFit people or anybody trying to do, um, you know, handstands is big stuff. In, in that, uh, snatches, snatches, ollie lifts, yeah, weights so, for speed overhead. So that's that is that's um, a lot of what I see, and 
And what I have to do there is really, uh, for one, I have to work on the, the tissue that's been pinched for a while. Uh, and then we have to teach them how to decompress their shoulder. So for me, it's real the challenge, and we, I want to catch these people early because if we, we've got to slow down or, or eliminate the risk of that arthritic change as a result of being overhead so much. I want people to really realize is that our shoulder is not meant to bear a lot of weight. Um, our legs are meant to transmit force from the ground through our hips into our lower back. When we do like handstand walks or whatever it may be, we're trying to use our arms as our legs and that's not what they're designed to do. No. Uh, if you're doing a lot of overhead lifts or overhead squats, um, understand that you're doing that, but you are, you are compromising the quality of life in the future because you're creating instability of your shoulder and when like i said earlier instability leads to arthritic change so be very specific with your form and not to say you can't do it but uh, make sure you're not just monkeying that bar up and throwing stuff around so you're a fan of crossfit for business but not to actually do it yourself i love crossfit i'm just thinking sometimes it's a young man's game i have an office inside of a crossfit gym uh i mean for a business model it's genius sometimes it's really good it's great i think the volume of exercise and overhead movements is too much for what the shoulder can actually tolerate and because most times these shoulders are deconditioned and don't have the rotate rotator cuff strength to support those type of movements in volume Maybe a couple times with lightweight, but it's but a lot. No, and those lifts, and this is my opinion, like I, CrossFit's done a lot of stuff with the Finney community. It's great. Guys, don't roast me when I say this. Like, it's not meant for everybody. It's an extreme sport, and most of you don't have a base or the integrity to do this, especially when you look at those lifts. Like, when those Olympic lifts were created, they weren't created for load end speed. It was load for like one, three, five reps was a lot. Now let's do 25 reps to race your buddy who also looks like shit doing it. And I'd say like it's meant for the people who really can own the pattern, which is very few humans. Like Colleen Fosh been on the podcast. She's the 26th fittest woman on the planet. Trains right behind me here. And Colleen's a G, but she's also 30 years old and had a shoulder surgery already. Mm-hmm. So like even if the elite people have went through it, 47-year-old Roger probably isn't going to have a great outcome. Not just today, but you know, 15 years from now when he's 60, if he can't move his arm. That's just my two cents on the overhead. Mm-hmm. And again, when we say fitness stuff, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Like you can run around your house with scissors, but what's the point? Eventually something not good will happen. So when you guys give these guys stuff, obviously in the treatment plan, like you prescribe a handful of things to them to do, obviously on a case-by-case basis, you know, take it, do it at home every single day until we see you. That's typically the normal routine. Uh, yeah, it's a progression, and the corrective phase of fixing somebody's injury is based is really the beginning phases of it. Once we correct the problem, then they go into a strengthening phase. The strengthening phase is meant for them to become independent and in taking care of their problem, so that they don't they don't have to be in our office for the rest of their life. Some people stay because they like the coaching of strengthening and conditioning, or they say stay for massage, whatever it may be. But really, the program is set up to teach them how to be independent and in handling their their issues. And like the last couple, two questions here. One for these guys: when you you treat them and you give them a prescription, what percentage of like their success depends on them actually doing the shit when they leave? Probably most of it. Say that one more time. Sorry. Like so, if let's say somebody comes in, like say someone comes in here and they're like, "Jeremy, I want to be better at mobility." And twice a week, we just all we do is work on mobility. If they do nothing on their own the other five days of the week and then take vacations, mm-hmm. I'm not saying what we're doing is worthless to them, but it's like going to the dentist and getting your teeth cleaned twice a year. If you don't yeah. brush them in between, yeah. what does it really do? So someone That's comes to question. see you, says, help me, and I'm going to yeah. maybe do some of the stuff you tell me, but not really. Right. I'm pretty transparent saying, I, I asked them straight up, I go, will you do these exercises? And 
I'm like, I need an honest answer because I don't do, care. Do people do lie? It. Do they say yes and then not? Most of them are like, once I ask them in that honest, transparent way, they're like, to be honest with you, I'm not going to do these things. I'm like, perfect. They'll say that, that, really. But the good thing is I'm like, that means I'm going to work you really hard in the office to make this correction happen in the office, knowing that you're not going to do it. And then there's obviously realistic expectations based on that conversation. Some people do it, I'll be very honest, it's about a 30% compliance. So that's why a lot of people stay and just wanna work out in the office because they know they're not gonna do it at home or have time to do it at home. So I have 30% of my patients that really do what we tell them to do outside of the office. So like when people come in and you're like, hey, will you do this? They're like, fuck you. No, I'm not gonna do it. A lot of people it. say, I'm not doing that, I'm too busy. I need, I'm hired to do you. 10 minutes of They're stuff like, to fix your body's problems. <laughs> so a lot of them will do the five to 10 minute like uh, correctives at the office, or at least they tell me that. But when it comes down to you need to do this program, a lot of it's like, listen, I'm paying you to fix me, I wanna do it here. And so I'm totally fine with that too. But our goal is to get them to become independent so they can fix themselves, so we can get away from this like, you have to be at a chiropractic office for the rest of your life kind of feel. That's crazy to me that like someone would be like, no, I'm too. La-. It's just it's laziness. Like it's your body, dude. Like what? Again, I'm not judging anybody listening, but like, what are you doing? That's more important than how you feel. Like when you feel like shit, your life sucks. Mm-hmm. Like how can you just say like, no? I'm-. But again, I see it. Well, that's why I say the failure rate of a lot of things in life is very high. I think fitness is probably the closest thing there is. You guys have to be right up there, like flossing your teeth at the dentist has to be like right up. Like these are these things that we we should do, but yet we choose not to because we're too busy. I was just curious because it just seems like, especially yeah. if I was hurt, like I would do, I'll do, like when you're sick, right? You hate being sick. Mm-hmm. Like you just wish every day that you felt normal. Like that's how I feel like if I have like my shoulder bothers me or like my ankle, hip, knee, whatever. I'm like, I'll do anything I can to not feel like that. Mm-hmm. And yet people, when you're giving them the solution, but yet they just choose not to do it. Mm-hmm. I think life gets in the way. I think there's a lot going on. When they get home from work, they got their family responsibilities and the corrective care kind of falls to the wayside. So that's why I really reinforce that like one minute per hour when you're at work, do these two or three things that can make that eight minutes of exercise actually happen. That's just crazy, man. So for these guys listening out there, uh, if they have issues, um, obviously if you're in Scottsdale, they can come hit you up. But a normal person like, you know, when... They're going through it. How long do you tell them to? Something happens where they just feel it's tight. You just tell them, hey, obviously, you know, do the research, find somebody, and then go and at least get an assessment of somebody who can hopefully give you some answers. Instead yeah. of going at it blindly, just watching YouTube or saying, you know, I'm 36, my low back is shitty, mm-hmm. this is how it's going to be. When you're 30, you're 46 years old, you're not finished. Like, you should be able to do shit for the next 50 years in all reality. Like, and it, it will change as you go, but you're not done, especially if you didn't play in the NFL. Like, your body should be cool. No. I'm 45, and my profession is a very physical profession. I need 15 more years of life to wrestle with people to get them better. And my our approach to chiropractic, it's like a wrestling match to fix somebody's body. So this thing needs to stay active. It needs to be functional so I can work on people. And I need to stay active to be happy so my wife will stay with me. For sure. That's what we do to help people in our society, in our community, enjoy their quality of life by getting them better so they can do the things that they love. And it's there's some really simple things you can do to, to do that. And we just have to educate the public on what these things are. 100%. Oh, I was going to ask you too. Do you, what do you do like when your body's jacked? I'm relentless. I have a relentless habit of getting to the gym and doing the corrective exercises I know I need to do so I can stay functional in my office. And so I will never miss a day in the gym. And it's not like I'm always crushing it, but at least I know I'm getting in there and I'm doing my corrective exercises. And then I force myself to do the movements I know I need to do to stay 
uh, active human being for the rest of my life. And so sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's not all that fun, but um, I'm walking, I can use my arms and I can help people get better. And to me, that's what gets me out of bed every day. Life is good when you're pain-free, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so where do these guys uh, find you out there if they want to stalk you and be complete creeps? What do you got? Facebook, Instagram, website? What is it? Uh, we are Instagram, Fixed Body Group. Um, obviously, website is fixedbodygroup.com. And our office location here in Scottsdale is uh, right in central Scottsdale. Boom. And all my people, um, obviously, you guys are in California. They got places there. If you were in Scottsdale um, and you're my people, what do I got here? They get a free exam, is that right? Boom. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. When people have a questions and they don't know what um, what chiropractic is, I will sit with them for one hour to explain how we can help them. And if they believe in what we can do and they trust the process, we roll through a treatment plan. But it gives them at least one hour to sit down with me to figure out if it's the right fit. Nice, dude. I dig that. So my Scottsdale peeps, if you want to go check them out, it's 100% free. I'll have these in the lobby for you guys waiting, all the info. Uh, if you want to stalk them, obviously on Instagram. Uh, you guys have a YouTube or no? Uh, not right now, but we're going to talk about that. Boom. We'll get him on our YouTube page, too. So we'll throw him. We'll do a bunch of stuff. But if you have specific questions or if you're like, hey, this is my issue. This is what I've been having. Uh, shoot him. Send him a DM. We'll kind of put them together. We'll see if we can't uh, put some things together and connect you with Sean and hopefully get you guys some answers. So appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, all good stuff, dude. Yeah, this is. I learned a lot, too, which is good for me. Thank you. Um, I dig it. So um, if you guys are on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Drop me a five-star and leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And again, if you do have questions for uh, Sean on this, anything you heard or listened to, please send them over. I'm happy to address them and connect you with him if you need to. Uh, And until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please just keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.